Give your loved ones the gift of warmth and happiness with an original Miki Couture blanket. Whether you need a gift for your family, co-workers, or friends, they all need to stay warm and cozy this holiday season. Our incredibly soft blankets are the perfect gift to celebrate the holidays at any budget. Show them how much you care with a blanket from Miki Couture that will be remembered forever. Begin your holiday shopping at softminkyblankets.com or your nearest Miki location. This is the Average to Savage podcast with Paul Garino. Everyone and anyone, athletes, celebs, and much more. What's up, everybody? I'm back for another episode of the Average Savage podcast. Our special guest today is Matt Gaeta. Matt, how's it going? It's going well, Paul. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Two years in the making, like you've been saying. <laughs> it has been. You've been you've been wanting me on the show for a while, and this is my first ever podcast, so I had to come on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what I like to do. I like to have exclusive interviews. Um, <laughs> so, so why not with you? Um, I know we've known each other for I don't even know how long now, maybe like four or five years. Um, yeah, I can't. I was just thinking about it. I don't remember exactly how it connected. I want to say it was it was LinkedIn originally. I think it was Instagram. It was when I first opened the agency in 2016 and Chase Numata one of my first clients, he, he came across some of your t-shirts and wanted me to reach out. And that's sort of how we linked up. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That was, that was dope. Yeah. Chase, uh, RIP to Chase. That was, yeah. uh, appreciate him. Yeah. That, that's how actually now I, now I recall that's how we got connected. He was always rocking it. I always appreciated him for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. How let's just, I mean, while we're on the topic, like how did you, how'd you guys first meet? Like, how'd you first meet him? So me and Chase. Yeah. So when I first opened the agency in 2016, it was March or April. I had maybe three clients at the time and came across some film of him on minorleaguebaseball.com and went on Instagram and followed him and looked at his entire profile page on Instagram, saw how family oriented he was, how passionate he was about baseball, how you know, Chase living life freely, doing it his way and all his vibes really connected with my core values with the agency. And I, I messaged him and he messaged me back. We set up a phone call and I mean, from there, we just hit it off. And our first time meeting up was 2016 high A all-star game at the Florida state league. And literally within maybe five minutes of meeting him, it kind of felt like you knew him your whole life. You just knew how to make people feel welcome and comfortable. And I mean, from there, it's, it's pretty much history. We, we were, he was my first guy that I went through free agency with. I uh, got him re-signed by the Phillies to go to big league camp, then the Yankees, then the Tigers. So we went three for three. And I mean, I literally owe Chase a lot, uh, building and building GSM and being the agent that I am today without him, undoubtedly, I'm not here. I'm not doing what I'm doing. He was easily one of the first credible clients that I had that trusted me um, so early with his career, especially going through the rigors of even just minor league free agency and solidifying a contract. It's definitely not easy. And he places trust in me and we built definitely a brotherhood type relationship. So Chase is definitely paramount in in me being who I am today. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I felt like I knew him to be honest. Like even just yeah. like his posts and all that stuff, it was just always always a good good vibes. Yeah. Um, now just going back uh, back in time. Now, obviously, I knew you were you were a baseball player growing up. Uh, you played baseball at uh, NYU. Yes. Like when 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 was the usually I ask people when was the moment they know knew they could go pro. But for you, I want to know when was the moment you knew you didn't couldn't go pro, but you knew you wanted to work in sports though. So. I always thought growing up that I was going to be a major league baseball player. Like everybody, every child growing up who plays a sport and is dedicated to it. Um, my dad was the one who instilled the love of baseball in me. I was actually a big hockey player growing up. My mom would wake up at 4am and drive me to the rink and all that sort of stuff. So she, she still brought me to the batting cages and whatnot when I was growing up, but ultimately, uh, she wasn't, uh, too sad to see me hang up the skates because no more 4am calls to the rank, but baseball um, always knew that I truthfully wanted to work in baseball. Um, once I sort of around high school, early on in college, that's when I started to grasp the business side, the scouting side of what it really takes to become a professional baseball player at the affiliated ranks and knew that, I was good, but I wasn't that good um, in terms of when I wanted the aha moment of becoming an agent. Um, probably I got ulnar nerve transposition surgery, which pretty much means I blew out the nerve in my throwing elbow um, and had surgery my freshman year of college. And to this day, it's still kind of not fully healed. But during that time, I really immersed myself in the business side of baseball and, and learning about the collective bargaining agreement, the joint drug prevention treatment program, um, everything that really an agent, an MLBPA certified agent would need to have um, as a knowledge base. And just between my love for baseball, um, a lot of my professors at NYU, who I developed incredible relationships with. Charlie Grantham, who was one of the first uh, heads of the NBA union, he was extremely paramount in me becoming an agent with his guidance and, and tutelage of how he went through the sports industry. And uh, Professor Cameron Myler, who was a former Olympian, who was my professor at NYU as well. Um, those two definitely instilled in me the practical teachings to be able to open up GSM and, and the confidence as, as well as my parents. But once I sort of realized sophomore year that baseball wasn't in the cards anymore, um, I did something completely unconventional in junior year, signed up to take the MLBPA agent certification exam. Uh, at 21, I walked in and had a, a quick silver t-shirt on and uh, Jordan sweatpants and uh, I think it was blue Nike Pegasus running shoes. And I walked in and they give you a name tag because before you take the exam, you go through a process of um, the study period where they go over like what's on the exam, what's study for and all that stuff. So when I went to go check in and get my name tag, <laughs> one of the people at the front desk goes, oh, if you're waiting for your dad or mom, you can wait outside thinking that I was a kid. And I said, no, I'm actually here to take the exam. So that's uh, that's my fun story of how I kicked off my agency career so quickly 
Uh, I changed the tires, you can see. Also repping your shirt. E, I like that. But uh, yeah, that that's that's hilarious. And I think that's like a biggest myth. Um, I think a lot of people think you have to have your law degree, which is which is false. Yeah, you don't need to have it. Um, NYU, my major was sports management with concentration in sports law. And actually, I'm in the process right now of I've been in it for the last two years getting my law degree. I go to New York Law School evening division program. So still able to fully operate the agency and, and the business, but um, on my own time getting that law degree uh, just to further enhance my credibility in the business and for my client's best interests. But I mean, that's definitely a misconception is you don't have to have it, but it's, it's helpful to have it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. What, like, how did you, like, how did, like, even at 21, how did you know you were able to take the test? Like while you were still in school? Um, I was in an econ class and I was really bored to be quite honest. And I started just drawing my logo and really that's when I started to, I was paying attention kind of, not really, uh, going on the MLBPA website, looking at the requirements. Um, when I saw you didn't have to have um, any sort of degree, age limit, qualifications, um, I just signed up. I filled out my application uh, for a background check. And once I passed the background check, I got the date to take the exam and I took it. And in the meantime, while waiting for the background check and everything to check out and that process to continue, I built the business plan, uh, did my logo, um, targeted what players I wanted to, to target in certain leagues and sort of just built my brand and business plan sort of um, during my junior year of NYU. So that would have been winter, fall, winter of 2015 going into 2016. And that's sort of how everything came to fruition. Yeah. Way ahead of the curve for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about like, how, like, how did you approach like the very first client you got? I don't even know who, who was the very first. So this is a great story, actually. So the first client that I ever signed, his name was Brett Doe with the Minnesota Twins. And he ultimately led me to Nick Anderson, who okay. um, was my first big league client. Uh, but Brett was a catcher at low A with the Cedar Rapid Colonels in the Minnesota Twins organization and had a little bit of time at high A, Fort Myers Miracle. And I followed him on Instagram and DM'd him and said, Hey, I just opened up my own agency. I uh, wanted to see if you were available to talk. This is what I believe in. This is how I go about my business. This is how I assess players and how, you know, my philosophy, my guidance can better help enhance your career. And he was all about it. And we scheduled a call. And within a day, I had my first client. Um, three weeks later, he actually ended up getting release just because of a roster crunch and we still stayed in very very close connection he ended up being the bullpen catcher at AAA that season went into coaching um, and a year later in 2017 he hit me back up and he said you're probably going to want to take a look at this guy his name is Nick Anderson and I played with him at low A um, he's a dude he's got stuff and you know follow him on Instagram or he either said, follow him on Instagram or here's his number. And he gave it to me. And I reached out to Nick 
And Nick and I stayed in contact for eight months. Nick never had an agent before. And we just developed a, a relationship of just talking. And then ultimately, um, he texted me right after spring training 2017. And he said, hey, uh, are you still interested? I said, 1,000%. And booked a flight literally the next day. And at that time, I had never flown to see a client. I've only done on phone calls. Um, still young in the process. Didn't have any big name guys. So when certain guys who were at single A, double A were like, fly out to see me, never really got the vibe that this player is going to be worth it. But Nick and I had stayed in contact for eight months and developed a solid relationship to the point where from a character standpoint, person standpoint, I would do anything for him. And I also felt my heart of hearts that he was going to be a force in the majors. So dropped, I think, 850 bucks on a one-way ticket because I literally got it within five hours. It was the best $850 I've ever spent on a one-way ticket to Tampa, Florida, because he was playing the Tampa Yankees at high A. Met up with him at a Holiday Inn where we had pizza at the sports bar that was attached to it. He walks out of the turnstile doors. And I just remember looking up thinking this dude is going to step on me. And he was a gentle giant, super nice. We hit it off and rest is history. But yeah, my first client, Brett Doe ended up uh, linking me up with Nick. This is why I needed to have you on. So to let the people know <laughs> that it was like, that it's not, I mean, obviously it's hard. Everything's hard, but like they needed to see that it, that it is possible for people to just, you just did uh, it. 1000%. I mean, it's not, and dude, anybody who starts something new, even like yourself, I'm sure there are moments of doubts that creep in that is this work that can I do it? And I mean, you know, God willing, God bless. I've, I've done well with the agency in, in the five years that it's been going, knock on wood, same with, same with the PG brand and, and you blown up as well, but it's those early initial years where, Nobody knows your name. You don't have any big name clients. You're grinding. You're not sleeping. I remember staying up until 3 or 4 a.m. just to target certain players, see who's available analytically from a sabermetric standpoint, who you know possesses the best uh, abilities to continue to make it up the ladder, um, researching my guys, getting to know them as people versus just numbers and, you know, you just have to keep saying to yourself, you put in the work, you have the knowledge, you have the people around you supporting you and the big break will eventually come. And for me, it happened for three and a half years into the agency with, with Nick and then Randy Dobnak with the twins, Rico Garcia um, and a handful of other guys who, who are on their way. But for the first two and a half, three and a half years, it's, it's grinding and it's just not, accepting the fact that, okay, I'm working my butt off and, you know, some things might not be going my way right now, but I'm in it for the long haul. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You got to stick to your vision, stick to what you believe in, hold true to your why, your purpose, why you're doing what you're doing. And ultimately, you know, even if you don't reach the goal that you have set out for yourself along the way and along the journey, you're going to be able to at least prove to yourself that I stuck with it and I accomplished a lot along the way. 
And that's something that nobody could ever take away from you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What about like, since you were so young, was there any like backlash from like some players that maybe you didn't sign or anything? And they're like, I oh, like, you're, you don't have experience. You're like 22, something like that. I mean, I had players initially who said that, and I always knew that it doesn't matter how old you are. I don't care if you're 20 or if you're 50 or 60, if you're getting into the industry, if you have the connections, if you're personable, if you have the suave to, um, you know, be credible in your analytical research, in portraying your client in the best light, um, age doesn't matter. If you were 50 or 60 and you're out of touch with sabermetrics and don't know the statistics of what FIP or XFIP or Sierra is versus ERA and WIP, which used to be the old metrics that uh, teams use to assess player valuation for pitchers specifically, then that's just something where, okay, if you went with somebody who might be an older and credible agency, they might not know certain things that are in trends with baseball currently. That's where I saw sort of my asset was I just went through all these showcases of perfect game area codes, USA baseball and all these um, baseball outlets that these guys just went through and having played and having family and sports. Uh, one of my, my biggest advocators and somebody I looked up to growing up is Bobby Marks. He's my cousin. He was the assistant GM for the Brooklyn Nets um, and worked with them for 20 years. He's now on ESPN NBA, but uh, he was someone who started as a, as a paperboy intern uh, driving John Calipari from the stadium to pick him up at the airport and get his dry cleaning and coffee and grind it to the top. And with, with all of that and having looked up to Bobby and seeing how he operated on a daily basis, um, all those sort of teachings allowed me to, you know, tell future clients, Hey, I'm, I'm young, I'm knowledgeable. Um, I've had family who have worked in sports and have excelled, but ultimately and more importantly, um, what I offer players is transparency and a line of communication where I'm the sole agent. There's no other agent on staff. Um, I grew this from nothing into what it is now and take pride in that and am completely open to talking to players, families, wives, girlfriends, cousins. Um, so a selling point to detract from the age misnomer of you have to be older to be a successful agent. That's completely false because by the age of I'm 25 right now, I've, I've already had a client in the world series and, um, have had amazing stories of success stories of guys signing minor league free agent deals and, and big leaguers and, and getting them uh, endorsement deals and whatnot. So it's really just sticking to your vision and, and having the lines of connections to put your clients in the best place and being able to be personable and, and genuine. That's the most important thing. People can sniff BS from a mile away. If you're not genuine, <laughs> you're not going to get anywhere. So that's that's pretty much that yeah yeah for sure I could totally agree with you on same way same way um also what was it like I know you mentioned Nick uh what was it like when he made the the major leagues and that that I, that for people that don't know that makes you like in the players association also yes so to be a full-on certified major league baseball agent 
you first have to file for the application, take the test, pass the background check, pass the written exam, and then you have to have a player on the 40 man. So Nick debuted on March 28th of 2019, which happened to be my birthday, oddly enough. Wow. Um, this, the story just, just keeps going. It, it writes itself. Um, two days before I was with Nick because we had a feeling he was either going to make the opening day roster or they were going to send him to AAA because he was on the 40 man at that time just to get reps, wait for somebody to get hurt and then get called up. Um, so ultimately it was March, I want to say 25th. I was down at Jupiter, Florida, and he called me that morning and said, what are you doing? And I said, nothing about to grab breakfast. Why? And he said, uh, check out the hotel. We're driving to Miami. And he made the opening day roster. We drove down uh, and I actually stayed with them at the Marriott that night before I checked into my hotel. But uh, yeah, that's, that was pretty much the story of, we didn't know if he was going to make it or not. And that was the culmination of pretty much Nick getting to the point where he was at, where it wasn't even handed to him. He shoved at spring training. If you look at the 2019 numbers at spring training with Miami, I mean, he deserved to be on it, but there's, there's a certain aspects of, behind the scenes with front office personnel of putting certain players above others for monetary investment reasons, options. There's a lot that goes into it, but he ultimately made it as like the last guy on the roster. And he debuted on, on March 28th, my birthday, his, his mom, Barb, his dad, Russ, and his sister, Alyssa, we were all down there and we were saying to ourselves, there's no way he's going to debut on opening day. Like, he just made the majors and he'll probably pitch on like Saturday or Sunday. And what do you know, Nick Anderson is warming up in the bullpen. I think it was the sixth inning and he came in first pitch 96 right down the middle. And then next pitch he got, I think it was Trevor's story to ground out to short and he made his debut by throwing two pitches and it was on my birthday. It was pretty cool. We went out, we celebrated after and yeah, rest is rest is that. Yeah, I mean, like all the guys you have, like they have crazy stories. And Nick, I know he was uh, he was working in the offseason too, because I, I think, uh, as a lot of people know, minor leaguers don't make that much. And uh, and I remember, um, I remember he was, I remember he was almost going to get called up the year before, like at the this uh, September call ups, and we were talking about it. Yeah, uh, with Minnesota, he Triple yeah, uh, A. I mean, I still, I joke with him. I still remember his entire stat line from Triple A. 88 strikeouts, 60 innings. I could tell you which batter he faced. The last game that he threw before September call-ups was against the Philadelphia Phillies AAA organization. He struck out five out of six batters. And, I mean, everything happens for a reason. Minnesota's a fantastic organization. They gave him his opportunity to, to get into affiliated baseball. It's where he is now. And they've treated Dobnak uh, with the utmost respect as well. So, I mean, everything happens for a reason. Minnesota homegrown. It would have been cool if he was in a Twins uniform. But, um, yeah, everything happens for a reason. You are where you're meant to be. So yeah. that was, yeah, 2018. And then he got traded that offseason to Miami. And then 2019 was when he made his debut. Yeah, I mean, now he's one of the best relievers in the game. He got all MLB this year, right? 
Yeah, first team All MLB. It's it's awesome. I mean, honestly, Nick deserves it. He's been through so much, and I mean, I consider him a brother. He's he's stuck with me. He was he was one of my first clients too. It was I think eight months into the agency is when we started talking, and he signed on with me and and stuck with me, and you know, did right by each other, and hoping to to make it a nice ten uh, year career on his part, but. I mean, another awesome story of perseverance, of not giving up, of working in the off-season on jobs, waking up at five in the morning to get his lift in, going to work, uh, home remodeling, and then doing his throwing at nine at night. And I mean, that's what the GSM agency is built off of, a bunch of grinders, Dovnak with Uber driving and, and doing odd jobs. Rico worked at an Italian restaurant as a busboy. Uh, Matt Peacock, who just got put on the 40 man, actually quit baseball to work at his dad's sawmill company in college and just picked up a baseball again, decided to go at it senior year and got drafted and, and rode the wave to where he is now. Uh, Addison Russ, who's uh, was at the 60 man all set with the Yankees. He's a substitute teacher in the offseason. He was easily the best double A relief prospect. So, I mean, these, these guys have amazing stories and it's inspiring. And even uh, the kid, Mike Adams, or man, I should say he's 26, uh, who just signed with the Phillies, who is a pitching instructor and teaches a lot of my kids uh, at his training facility. And he hasn't pitched in an organized game in probably, I don't know, four years. Is He graduated college 2016, played indie ball then, and built his own uh, company for pitching performance center, a uh, baseball performance center is what it's called. And he, as he quote unquote says, I accidentally taught myself to throw 98 and he went from being a pitching coach to two days ago when we were initially scheduled to do the podcast and I had to cancel cause he was signing then uh, a member of the Philadelphia Phillies organization and another guy who has a movie esque story. But again, all these guys have absolutely inspiring stories and, that's why I got into the agency industry is to give, give these guys a voice, give them, give them something to fight for. And um, yeah, I give my hundred percent, they give their hundred percent. And um, it's, it's more than just baseball. It's about giving people chance and hope of, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And that's how you started, you know, your, your brand. That's how I started my agency is we didn't get guys who were, big name clients right off the bat. We had to grind to get where we were and and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And what about oh yeah, and actually I think I might have seen Mike in college because uh Sacred Heart. Yeah, yeah, Wagner. So I, I definitely saw Ben. Ben in college. Yeah. Too. Um so yeah, but what about so since now like you have a few major leaguers, um like has has people been reaching out now to you like more so? So, yeah. So another interesting story was, so once Randy, this is getting a little off topic, but um, my name sort of started getting known last year once Nick and Randy made the playoffs and Randy actually, when he got named game two starter of the ALDS at Yankee stadium for context, for fans viewing, Randy started this 2019 season at high A Fort Myers worked his way up to the majors that season, which rarely, if not ever happens, and then on top of that, he pitches game two of the ALDS in Yankee Stadium, um, which is absolutely incredible. So once his story sort of went viral, I guess people went to 
his baseball reference or his Twitter and Instagram and saw, oh, data sports management, that's his agency. Well, when I first opened the agency, I put my cell phone number on there because I wanted people to get in contact with me thinking nobody's really going to look at the website. Well, Randy's story went viral and I started just getting spam phone calls of you're the Uber driver's agent. Uh, <laughs> I get a Randy signed ball. So I actually had to change my number because I was just getting hit up by a bunch of random people. Um, so the, in short, yes, once uh, I got major league clients, I definitely became known. Uh, but in terms of clientele and word of mouth, yeah, it's helped. Um, it just shows that I retain clientele loyalty and my guys that once they reach big, they don't venture off. They know that I do a great job for them. I treat them as, as family and as humans before players and do what's in their best interest, not in mine. Um, I have a fiduciary duty to uphold my client's best interests. And uh, that's what I do 24 seven. They're my brothers, they're their family. And ultimately um, I do my absolute best to put them in the best position, do right by them. And the results speak for themselves and they see that it's genuine and um, in combination with all those and, and having the Knicks and Randy's, I've definitely had um, an influx of, of higher uh, up players reach out to me in, in wanting to represent them. And I mean, last off season, I probably had a hundred guys reach out to me versus probably the three years before that in the off season, I probably had maybe like 40 in those three to four years reach out to me. So definitely once you get big name guys, but the key is keeping them and showing that, um, you know, they're, they're still part of your family. I don't, uh, take on a guy unless I truly believe that, um, they're great people off the field, but have also have the abilities to perform on the field. And, um, once they're playing well, it's not like I go to the next young guy to make sure he gets moved up. I still, I give everybody the same attention. I, I go and visit my guys, whether it's going to visit Randy and throwing with him on a high school field in West Virginia or going to golf with Nick or flying out to, to Arizona and hanging out with all my clients out there. So once, once they get me, they know they have me and I pretty much talk to them every day. So it's a pretty cool family agency of we do business, but um, it's also more than that. So yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's what your social media shows. And I think, yeah. that's why, I think that's why everyone's attracted to, you know, um, and what about, I, I read in the NYU article, congrats on all the awards this year. Oh, thank you. And, uh, I saw you had over 75 clients now. So how do you, how do you manage that? Um, I, don't, I live for it. I wake up at like five or 6am and I mean, I, I am able to balance it just because, it's what I live for 24 seven. I'm glued to my phone. Everybody that knows me jokes and say, he's always on his phone. He's always on his phone. It's, it's just my job. I I'm always there texting the guys, calling the guys. Um, some guys say, Hey, you, I know you have my best interest at heart. You do your job. Like that's why I hired you, but I don't need to be talked to every day. Like just hit me up every other two weeks and you know we'll be good just keep me informed with what the organization expects of me 
and getting equipment and just staying in contact with my family members that want to know, but ultimately I don't need to be talked to every day. Some guys need to talk to me every day and I'm accessible, but ultimately, I mean, I, I live for this. This is my job. This is what I signed up for. And this is, it's my craft. I'm dedicated to it, but you have to have passion. If you're not passionate about it and it starts to become monotonous, that's when, you know, you've reached a point where maybe you should do something else, but I plan on doing this for the next 40 years plus, And I love it. It's, it's these stories, these guys' journeys that gets me going. And it's something where they, a majority of my guys, even though I have some who are international signees or, or high draft picks, a majority of them have a story that's amazing and inspiring and um, something that I love to be a part of and, and want to go to bat for. And it, it's analogous to how I came up as an agent and how I was brought up by, by family of, of not expecting anything to be handed to me of going out and earning it. And I was instilled by, by my dad, who was very, very um, paramount in, in who I became as a man and a professional. I would go to his office on Sundays from middle school all the way even until college when I was rehabbing. And we would go in on Saturdays and Sundays to his office. And I saw how he operated his um, small firm. He, he's an engineer and seeing him just absolutely grind day in and day out and doing what he did for his customers and his employees. Um, and it's still the drive in me to where I knew if I wanted to be successful, I had to put in the work and there was no guarantees of success, but I'd rather live with the fact that I gave my all and maybe if it didn't work out, oh well, but there's just no regrets and just putting your all out there. So I definitely give a lot of credit to my dad as, as well as my mom, because she was extremely supportive in, in the agency venture. And um, she always was there to support me during my highs and, and my lows. And without those two, I, I wouldn't even be talking to you, to be honest. Yeah, yeah definitely. What about, uh, I hate to bring it up, but like, what was the past 2020 season like with COVID? And then also with the draft only being, uh, what was it, six rounds? Yeah, it was, it was five rounds, and then there was a period on Sunday afternoon that um, free agents would be able to sign for a max deal of 20K. Um, it was a shock. I was actually – when the season got canceled, I was playing Call of Duty with Hobie Harris, who's another GSM incredible story. Watch for him. He'll definitely have a great chance to debut this year um, with the Toronto Blue Jays and a PG Sports repper. Um, but yeah, we were playing, he was playing Call of Duty, actually. Let me rephrase that because I stink at video games. He was playing it. I was on my laptop and it was spring training. And we got the update that the Jazz, uh, I forget who the player was, tested positive for COVID. And then a little over, yeah, a little over 30 minutes later, Silver banged the NBA season indefinitely or postponed it. And Major League Baseball didn't come out with an announcement at that time. So at that time, I had people text me saying, is MLB going to be on? Is the season going to be canceled? And they actually played the next day. And I drove down to Tampa because Addison Russ, another PG Sports uh, guy uh, who's with the Yankees that I rep, he was with the Phillies at the time in big league camp and pitched against the Rays' Knicks team 
And it was that day that they canceled all the games and the postponed the season indefinitely. So Addison's game against Tampa was the last organized major league baseball game before the season started back up in July. And uh, right after the last pitch, they came on the announcements at Port Charlotte where the Rays spring training facility is and said, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the major league baseball season has been postponed indefinitely um, for any questions, visit MLB.com. It felt like you were in a movie because everybody was just, it felt like people were moving more slowly. Nobody knew the severity or the magnitude of the virus, how long things were going to be. And then in the ensuing days, as it got more intense um, and serious, that it was apparent that Major League Baseball, let alone Minor League Baseball, might not even have a season. And unfortunately, Minor League Baseball didn't. But it was tough. Um, I had three guys who, who pitched in the majors this year, and, and Nick and Randy and Enrico Garcia with the Giants. Uh, but for a lot of the minor league guys that I have, they just grinded at their houses. They, they were doing makeshift bullpens by throwing balls against a brick wall, um, taking dry hacks in their garages with wiffle balls. Um, credit to the minor league baseball players. They don't get the spotlight, but um, nobody in terms of professional baseball has had it hit harder than the minor leaguers because their development got halted. Uh, there was only 60 man rosters able to be um, formulated during the season. So that left 100, 150 plus minor leaguers for each organization having to develop on their own certain states with certain uh, state laws with quarantine, not being able to maybe go to a park, go to a gym versus being in a state that has all that. Um, guys had to adjust and adapt on the fly and, and credit to all my guys because they busted it. And some of them uh, made significant strides during this. Uh, one of them who was just with in Florida, Johnny Schneider with the Cincinnati Reds, um, worked his butt off during quarantine to increase his velo. Um, got invited to Instructs, which was a thing for minor leaguers this fall uh, to give them some live game reps. And Johnny went from 93 to 95, 96, touching seven and really worked on his craft. Um, that's just one of, of a handful of stories of guys that um, would just be in constant contact with me of doing their thing and working on their game and knowing, hey, there might not be a season, but at some point baseball is going to come back and whatever it looks like, I'm going to be ready. So shout out to them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. I've been seeing some of them post on social media grinding. Um, yeah. And then what about like this season? Like any, I don't think there's been any rulings yet, but you think there's going to be like a minor league season? There'll definitely be a minor league season. I feel just because I don't personally see minor league baseball being able economically to, uh, withstand back-to-back -back years of not having a season. Um, and also from a player development standpoint, minor leaguers, the major leaguers that you see now ultimately played minor league baseball. Um, so it is a pipeline. You have to start somewhere. So in terms of player development and getting the guys the necessary reps in order to perform at the major league level, it's needed. Now, whether it's a full season, it's already been said that, um, 
double A and lower affiliates are not going to be starting spring training on time. Um, that's a given that the season won't have its normal hundred plus games, but ultimately I still feel confident that there will be a minor league season, just given all those factors. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely ready for some uh, fun questions from average to savage. Shoot it. <laughs> what's your, what's your favorite song right now? Oof. Uh, wow. I'm going to throw a curveball here. It's my favorite song of all time. Uh, here I go again by white snake said right. a song. All right. Uh, what's your favorite social media platform? Uh, oof. Instagram. All right. Um, what about, what do you, what do you like to do in your free time? <sighs> Work. I just <laughs> love the agency. I mean, I just, I love when guys send me film as you see on my social media platforms, I'm always posting on my story their workouts or their bullpens or their, their hitting off a tee or live ABs. So I just like to work more. (laughs) I feel you on that because people ask me that sometimes too. And I'm just like, like, I just like to, like, I can't not do stuff. Like I feel like weird if I'm not doing anything. Yeah, exactly. Um, Last one. What what advice would you give to a, a younger person wanting to be a sports agent? Um, Hmm. That's a good question. Always be open to constructive criticism and learning from other people, even if they're your age, if they're even younger than you or older. Um, never, never take for granted the advice that your peers could give to you because the more info, the better. Knowledge is powerful. And don't be closed-minded to think that you know everything because nobody knows everything. Um, growing up as a high school athlete, I thought I knew everything in terms of baseball and and mechanics and everything. And even in college with my coaches and ultimately, um, the more knowledge you have to be, um, at your disposal, the better off you'll be. So definitely be open to learning, um, even new techniques and being able to adapt on the fly. Things don't go as planned. So being able to adapt and continue to be open to learning. Yeah, definitely. Well, that was amazing. I appreciate you coming on and uh, could you let the listeners know where they can follow you at? Uh, at Gata sports MGT on Twitter and Instagram. Give your loved ones the gift of warmth and happiness with an original Miki Couture blanket. Whether you need a gift for your family, co-workers, or friends, they all need to stay warm and cozy this holiday season. Our incredibly soft blankets are the perfect gift to celebrate the holidays at any budget. Show them how much you care with a blanket from Miki Couture that will be remembered forever. Begin your holiday shopping at softminkyblankets.com or your nearest Miki location.